You've tuned into Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that the messages provide an atmosphere for growth and grace in your relationship with Christ and an opportunity for you to gather together in community, whether online or in person. Salvation now is let's from go the Jews, the but the hour is coming and now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is a spirit, or God is spirit, rather, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. I'm going to do that one more time. At verse 22, it says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Well, the line of reason why I want to come back to this is because... You know that as we picked up in the middle of a conversation and we know that this woman came to a well and I talked about it a few weeks ago. Um, she came to a well and she was thirsty and we know that um, and then they start to have a dialogue and a conversation and he asked her to call her husbands and we know that. And then after on after that, he talks about he says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is of the Jews. He said, there's there's something you're looking for. There's a reason why you came here. I know what you think you came here for but there's a reason why you came here which is where this conversation came from and I want to talk or ask a question today and I want you to ask the person beside you the same thing but the question I want to ask you today is what brought you here like what brought you here like will you ask somebody that beside you like what brought you here what brought you here father bless this time in Jesus name amen you may be seated what brought you here really like what brought you here and I want to ask that question, and I'm not going to be long, musicians, I promise you I won't. Um, so, and I say that to ask, and I'm going to jump right into it, and I'm sorry that we had some uh, streaming issues a few weeks ago where that message is not available, but um, just to give you a real short recap of this message, we know that Jesus um, um, really, and Lord, I pull on your anointing, Jesus came through the town, um, and he, the scripture says that he had need to go to Samaria. Um, we know, as I told you a few weeks ago, that Samaria um, is a place that Jews didn't normally go to, and they weren't normally there in community, but they went there. Jesus felt that he needed to go there. The reason that Jews didn't deal with Samaritans is because Samaritans and Jews did not connect because of racial issues and racial uh, discord or racial disconnect or whatever. Um, but Jesus felt the need to go there. He got pulled or drawn into that area. And when he got there, it says he was tired and he sat on a well. Uh, that was near Sakar, and he sat there in the well that happened to belong to Jacob. Um, we talked about Jacob and the whole significance of it being Jacob's well, uh, because Jacob was also representative of his nature. Um, um, he met with an angel. He fought with an angel, but it was really a theophonic manifestation of God uh, represented in an angel where he wrestled until God changed his personality. So now, many generations later, there is a well that is representative or a homage uh, to Jacob and to what Jacob uh, brings in his life. And now this woman comes to this well. Um, she comes there uh, as anybody would come to a well, usually primarily uh, because you are thirsty. And she came to the well uh, to get water or to draw water from a well. It's really hard for us in our time, in our context, in the 21st century and in our westernized view to really imagine a well 
because um, we talk of it in context of, you know, the well. Well, some people don't know what a well is. Just like if I start talking to many of you all, I, let me scan the room real quick. If I start talking to many of you all, at least 75% of you all, if I start to talk to you about pagers and beepers, and if I start talking to you about answering machines, or if I talk to you about call waiting, where you would be on the phone and you would hear a beep and you had to click on the phone, you didn't know who it was. Um, see, y'all, I've lost half of you, things like that. If I, I talk to you about how phones used to have antennas that you had to pull up, or if I talk to you about the TVs or the televisions that only had three working channels that you had to only watch a few of them, and then after a certain time at night, it would turn off and it would start being, have I some so, so, of y'all like, I don't know what you're talking about, I have no clue, and some of you like don't know stuff like Little House on the Prairie, or you never watch things like Fred Sanford and Son, or you don't know anything like about Three's Company, or you know nothing, you, you, know, you know some of these new things, so it's kind of a disconnect connect when I talk to you about wells because when you've never uh, been around something where you had to do work to actually get something it's hard for you to understand the the actual uh, conception of actually going outside to play with no cell phone and actually going outside and they tell you to stay outside until it gets dark or they stay to go outside and come back in when I call you back in. It's hard for you to understand when you go outside and your parent says you don't know what to do, like make up something to do. So you go out and you do frisbees or you go outside and you play with, sometimes if you're an only child, you make believe and you make believe that you had a friend and you outside talking or even like me you had a dog that you told all your secrets to and your dog don't say nothing to you but so you don't understand that because when we have a generation of FaceTime or, or Google Duo those of you who are Android demons I'm sorry excuse me those of you who have Androids and stuff like that I'm sorry my bad my song's wrong church but those of you who have FaceTime and, and Facebook Messenger and all those different things or whatever that's, that's your area of connectivity and so it's hard for many of this generation oftentimes to understand the concept of working before you actually obtain something. Um, we are oftentimes in a place where everything is handed to us and when it's handed to us we oftentimes don't appreciate it um, when you didn't have to work for it uh, a lot of times when I grew up my my dad would I would ask him for money and he said absolutely you can have it as soon as you get a job Yes, you can have that money. We used to say things like money doesn't grow on trees. I did not understand what that meant until I got older and um, I had my own children and I understood that money was not a dispensable thing that was just always there. Um, and I also understood that why it seems like you got money in the house, someone was always waiting to take it out of the house. I didn't understand that until I got older, but now I understand the, the I now understand the value of eggs. I understand the value of what gas costs. I remember a time, man, when gas cost 79 cents. I remember when it was $1.29. I remember. Anybody else remember that? I'm not talking about when you have fuel points at Kroger. I'm talking about when you actually had gas for 79 cents and you can drive everywhere over town. But this particular generation, we don't necessarily know that because now we have electric cars. I just plug it in or I have all these different things that are going on in Cash App. What is a Cash App? Like, How do you explain that to your grandmother? Like, What is that exactly? And what exactly does that do? And, and what exactly 
exactly is Twitter? What, what does that do? And what exactly is that? And what exactly is Instagram? So y'all just spend hours and hours just looking at people's pictures? What, what does that do? How does that make you feel? What is a TikTok? So what do y'all do? Just sit there and watch other people make videos and make fun of themselves? How do you explain things that make you happy that didn't make another generation who had to work for their happiness? We get upset when we don't have internet and correct Wi-Fi. The first thing we want to do, does McDonald's have free Wi-Fi? Like, does this church have free Wi-Fi? What is the Wi-Fi password? Because I can't pay attention if I can't scroll. Like, I can't. I can't really be present here if I can't be present with people that I can't even see that's with me right now. I can't even get into the Word correctly unless I can look at you and scroll at the same time. I've got to be connected to the outside world with people who don't even know me, but I like their status, and I like them, and I like what they got on, but I don't even know if I like myself because that is where I find my real self and others in social status and social things and, and all these different areas. That's how I find myself. I don't know how to find myself in the word. I don't know how to find myself in, in church. I don't know how to find myself in God because I find myself in images. I find myself in BBLs. I find myself in these different things that give me value. I am no longer satisfied with what God gave me, so I will spend thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to make myself look authentic when I got in even give me that to make me like myself better because society has told me that what I have is not good enough so it's very difficult to talk about a well when you've never worked outside so here this woman was in a place that she didn't have what she needed where she was. She had to go to a place to get what she needed. Worship. Someone say worship. I want to talk about worship before I get here too far. Because a lot of times we say come to a worship service. Let's lift our hands and let's worship. Uh, let's, let's just, you know, and, and sometimes we think especially in this context of what we call praise and worship. You know, uh, Deaconess Lot, I didn't grow up in praise and worship church. I grew up in devotion. Some of y'all like, you don't know what devotion is. Devotion um, was a time and a period in service where the deacons would stand before church and they would sing a song and then they would pray and then they would sing another song. And sometimes it incorporated testimony service as well. Um, and um, we used to have church and they would sing songs like glory, glory, hallelujah, since I laid my burdens down or uh, they would sing can't nobody do me like Jesus or whatever. And I know that's a lot of in the context of my background, but that's kind of what I was raised in. And then um, I told you, I don't know if I told you all this before, but my house that we lived in, which was the church parsonage, those of you who don't know what parsonage is, is the church is the house that the church gives to the pastor. Um, I remember growing up thinking that house was so big until I, I grew up. And I went back down to that house. I said, how did we live in that little thing? But uh, how <laughs> y'all remember things when you grow up, when you were little, you think it was much bigger than what it was. So, um, but anyhow, we lived in the church house and our house was up on a hill. But at the bottom of the hill was the church of God in Christ. It was the church um, powerhouse church of God in Christ. And a lot of times I would go outside because we had a garden. Um, and we would, I would, I would uh, at that time, we knew how to snap 
peas and you know and clean I've lost many of y'all you don't know what that is like you just go to Kroger and get them but we snap peas and we cleaned and and a lot of times we had to go outside and chase the deer out of the garden you know because they be trying to eat the corn and you had to know when the corn was ripe and you had to take the corn and I don't want to give you all this agricultural lesson right now but that's what I grew up in so that's why I am country the way I am but anyhow we grew up in that setting but when I went outside when my parents oftentimes sit me outside because they didn't want me in the house I remember I would always, in my context of devotion, I would hear the drums and I would hear the shouting and I would hear them speaking in tongues right down the hall. I mean, not down the hall, but right down the hill. And I would always be like, what are they doing in there? And they'd be shouting like, come on, give them praise. Come on, give them praise. And I would hear them and I would be in my backyard just like, Woo! I'd be like, Shirley C is like, Woo! you know, I'd just be shouting, aunt. Uh, who was an aunt by family who was 102 years old who would come to our church every once in a while she was an evangelist in the Methodist church and she would come every once in a while and she would and my dad for whatever reason would give her words she, if she wanted to say something and all of a sudden she would start dancing in the middle of the aisle 102 years old she'd be like y'all ain't having church the way you need to have church God has been so good to me 102 years old she'd be just just run over and just shouting and stuff like that and that would be so exciting I'd be like what has she got that I don't have 102 years old. So that was my context of what, you know, my, my life was always very comical and very animated. That's just how I experienced it. But I said that to say that as it relates to worship, what is it? Like, is it that dance? Is it that movement? Is it a song? Is it slow? Is it lights dim? What is it? The real, the real definition of worship, um, when you look at it, is, is it's called to basically ascribe worth to like ascribe worth like how much is an object or something worth to you according to its worth yet determines what you do or how you function in relationship with that particular object as it relates to our relationship with God when we say worship we're ascribing worth to God like how much is God worth to you? And according to your view of how much God is worth to you, it determines what you do. Your doing is based on a position of your heart to say that I have ascribed so much worth to him that he matters more than the world to me. You know how we sing that song? Lord, I love you more than anything. That is worth to him. Worth or worship, rather, is not hands lifted. It's not a slow song. It's not CCM. It's not lights dim. It is a focused thing. It is I ascribe worth to you. Now, will worship cause you to dance? Yes. Can worship cause you to run? Yes. But the object of worship always has to be towards God like we can't worship and complain you can't worship and worry because that means you have two gods working against each other you got the God of worry and the God of worship but when you have real worship and your worship is really focused on God worry has to bow in the presence of worship because worship says I don't care what's going on in my life God can fix it worry says God are you going to fix it worship says I don't know how you're going to fix it but I know that you can fix it because you are the same God now that you were back then worship means I can't worry about the mountain let me worship the one who can speak to the mountain worship says I can't worry about the bill let me worship the one who has a cattle on a thousand hills worship says I can't worry about this lump on my breast worship says let me worry about the one who is Jehovah Jireh the one who provides Jehovah 
papa, the one who heals. Worship says it gets my priorities in order. I'm not worried about Monday. I'm worried about today. Worship puts everything back in order to say that God is the author and the finisher of my faith. Worship ascribes focus towards him and that backs away. It's ascribing worth to him. But you can't ascribe worth to him when you're ascribing worth to worry. When worry is what is, is on the focus and, and, and worry is on your mind and I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how that thing is. That has become your God. Come here, David. David, when he focused on, when he had the battle between him and Goliath, you know that all David had was a five smooth stones and a slingshot. That's all he had. Here was Goliath was making fun of him. He said, all you got is this is what you're going to send to me? Somebody who has no skill in fighting warriors? Someone who has no skills in fighting giants? David was never intimidated by the words of the enemy. David was postured because of his worship life. David said, I, you come to me in the words, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. You come to me in trying to intimidate me with your bully ways. I come to you in the name of the Lord. And with one shot, one shot, David was able to knock out his enemy because his focus never changed, even though his enemy was calling a lot of words. Some of you need to put words on silent and let God be louder than the words that you hear and run after that thing instead of running away from that thing worship says to give your best shot but after you hit me I'm still going to be standing because my worth is ascribed to God someone say worship 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 so I said that as it relates to this concept because he says you worship what you do not know you worship like you're worshiping but you don't even know what you're worshiping like you're thinking because in this previous verses before then she said well our fathers worshiped in this mountain but you say salvation is from the Jews which what she was saying is we all collectively come together to a spot we come to a spot but you say that salvation meaning that the Jews believe that the Messiah was going to come through the Jewish lineage and we she didn't even know that she was talking to the one that they had been talking about she didn't realize it but she just had heard she says you say that sal that Jews say the salvation is going to eventually come from the Jews he says and he goes on he says you worship what you don't know which is to say, what brought you here? Hold on here, church. Come and lean in real quick. What brought you here is desperation. The only reason you came to this well is because you were desperate for something. I want to talk to some people in this room. You don't come to a well if you ain't thirsty. You don't come to a well if you're not desperate for some water. Now, I told you all a few weeks ago that she even came, she even came for water for somebody else. But sometimes when you want, you want something for your family or you want something for people you're connected to, you will go at great lengths and you will go at great heights just to, be, to find what you need when you're desperate. That's why it's very important that you don't judge people when they're going through desperate times. A lot of people always say, I would never. You have never been desperate. 
If you have never been desperate, you don't know what you will put up with. Well, if you have never been desperate, you don't know what you will go through. A lot of people, that's why I hate sometimes social media, because we create narratives about people you have never met. You don't know anything about them. And we say stuff like, if I were them, I wouldn't be in that relationship. Girl, you single. You have no dog in the fight. You have no idea what it took for them to be in what they're in. You don't know what it's caused for them to smile when they want to be crying. You have no idea. I have had people that have come to this church many times and I have asked them why they used to be different things in other churches or different places and had different roles or whatever. And I said, what made you come to Growth Point of all places? They said, I was looking for a safe place and it was the only safe place I could find. And I want to ask you a question. How safe are you with my secrets? Some of y'all are really looking at me and challenging me. And I've got one for you today. I've got time today. I want to ask you, how safe are you with my secrets? What I mean is when I'm desperate, can I come to you? When I'm desperate, can I confide in you? When I'm in between seasons, can I trust you to pray for me and not talk about me? How safe am I when I'm desperate? How safe am I? How safe am I? Do I leave church more drained than I was when I got there? How safe am I? You want me to get to the presence of God, but your look makes me feel not comfortable, makes me feel like I'm not welcome. How safe am I when I'm desperate? This woman was desperate, and she came to a well because she wanted a drink. She thought, well, it was of natural water, but it wasn't that. I'm telling you, sometimes God will respond just because you're desperate. Sometimes God just wants you to get to the well. Sometimes he just wants to see where you start moving. All he wants to do is will you push news today or will you come? Will you stay at home and say daylight saving times has thrown me off? Or will you say I'm so desperate. I, the time's always going to change. But I don't always have time to get in the presence with God. So I'm going to do whatever I've got to do because I'm desperate. You can tell a difference. In a desperate church and a religious church. I can tell you there are Sundays in here where I can tell everybody's desperate. And then I can tell you there are Sundays I come in here where I can tell everybody's sleepy. I come in here sometimes and I can tell everybody wants God. And I can come in here sometimes and figure out everybody wants to go home. I want to know, can your desperation override your flesh? Can your desperation override what you feel? Can your desperation override what happened yesterday? Can your desperation override your disappointment? Because sometimes you might be disappointed, but God still requires you to worship. Come here, Job. Job said, the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. I will still bless the name of the Lord. And if you've never lost your children, and if you've never lost your spouse, and if you've never had your children burn up in the house, and if you ain't never had something happen, if you ain't never had no miscarriage, if you ain't never had something, if you never had, you never got disconnected, and you never got declined for snap or wick, and you ain't never gone through that, you don't have a right to sit there with your happy self and with your legs crossed, acting like you don't want to worship. There are people in this room who have survived gun bullets. There are people in this room who have survived divorce. There are people in this room who have survived church hurt. So how dare we sit here so comfortable in our air-conditioned church and not ascribe worth to God. 
He's worthy of it all. In the presence of enemies, I praise him. In the presence of doubt, I worship him. In the presence of disappointment, I worship him. In the presence of doubters, I worship him. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and I worship him. Music or no music, I worship him. Worship team or no worship team, I am the team, and I am the worshiper. I will lead myself into the presence of the Lord. Because he's worth something to me. But desperation brought her to the well. What brought you here? Did you come here because you sing on the worship team? Did you come here today because you serve on personal touch? Are you here because you have an occupation in the church? Are you here because Pastor Mario might say something if I'm not running my area? How dare you serve as a robot and not as a worshiper? God's not looking for people to serve positions. God can cause rocks to cry out if you want something. But we worship him through my service. I get to worship. I get to do this. I'm not here to preach to you because I have nothing else to do. It's my assignment. Are you grumbling in your assignment? Because if you're grumbling in your assignment, you might as well not do it. Because you are in the way of somebody who really wants God. Are you in the way of somebody who wants God because you're just serving a role? There are lots of people who serve on worship teams who are not worshipers. Singing songs does not make you a worshiper. How do I know this? Because I am a song. I've been singing songs for years. Playing the piano since I was eight years old. Been over choir since I was 11. And I have been directing the choir and my mind somewhere else. So you don't get to say, well, I sang. That don't mean anything. You can sing and you can do everything. But if you sing and have no focus, you sing and have no power. To be distracted is to be a void of his power. I've lost some of y'all right now in this church. Worship is to ascribe worth back to him. Desperation brought her here. Someone say, I'm desperate. Desperate drew her. The reason that I say that and I start there is because they were in a time of polytheism. Polytheism was the worship of many, many gods. Let's not just leave it in that time. A lot of us have many gods, many things that cause us to be distracted. Why is it that the only time you get sleepy is when you try to pray? Why is it the only time we get tired is when I got to read the word? Many gods. Why is it that YouTube can go on for hours, but worship can go on for five minutes? Polytheism. Many gods. I don't think y'all want this today. I really think I should go back to Nicholasville. I, I really don't think this is the right church. I'm so sorry. Matt, let's go to Starbucks and let's have a conversation. Because some of y'all just like, I just give me a little something. I don't have time to give y'all a little daily bread, a little thing. I want, I want to make sure that you don't have polytheism. 
that you're not worshiping many things. You can only have one God. Polytheism. And then they had something else called henotheism. Henotheism was the devotion to one God, but accepting the existence or possible existence of other gods. Sage. Manifestations. It's I worship God, but I also am curious about the existence of other gods. I believe in God, but I also believe there are other ways of which I can get my spiritual sensation. So I don't call myself a Christian. I call myself spiritual. So I can't really believe in organized religion. I believe that's outdated. So I know how to get in tune and, and clear the energy and make sure my chakras are okay and make sure everything is clear because I don't get around no bad vibes and when I'm feeling bad energy. It ain't called bad energy, it's called demons. If I still feel something wrong, it ain't your energy wrong, it's something's wrong with you. It's something from hell that I've got to learn how to rebuke. I don't need to go to YouTube for that. I know devils. And what's wrong is a lot of us don't know how to fight spiritual things anymore because we know how to read blogs and we watch blogs and, and we are so intellectual, but we are less spiritual. We are so intellectual, we got more degrees and more depressed. More followers and no disciples of Jesus. We know everything and can fight nothing. I can tell you your message is off, but I can't even tell you how you got your message in the first place because I ain't even heard from God. Henotheism. I believe Pastor Mario was my pastor, but I also would not avoid the existence that there might be other pastors that might be able to speak to me more clearly and more effective than Pastor Mario. So I watch other ones, though I don't sow into them. I don't even sow into him either, but I don't sow into them. So I believe in the, when I have a pastor I go to on Sunday, but I believe other people are my pastors on YouTube, though they don't know me, though I don't serve with them. They don't know my attitude. They don't know that I don't serve. They don't know that I'm some Tommy. They don't know that I'm going to show up to team nights. They don't know I'm not going to give. They don't know I'm not going to tie, but I will ascribe to the presence of many pastors, even though God says, I'll give you pastors after my heart that will teach you, that will lead you. And I want to ask you, when somebody died in your family, did Stephen Furry call you or did Pastor Mario call you? I have lost the church because of henotheism. So a lot of us, y'all like, he mad. I'm not mad. I'm asking you, why are you here? What brought you to the well in the first place? If desperation brought you here, Jesus said, you got here because you were desperate. So I had a conversation with you and I said, give me a drink. She said, oh no, you don't have nothing to draw with. He said, if you knew who I was. This water that you're asking for, you would realize that I am the well. I am the water that you're thirsty for. But because of polytheism and henotheism, you know the presence of many gods and you don't know I am God. Yeah. 
You know the presence of many wells. You don't realize I am the well. You know many waters. You don't know I am the water. So Jesus says, you got desire that brought you here. So then Jesus, he starts to talk to her. He says, here, go call your, your husband. And she goes on. She says, I don't have no husband. He said, you're right. The one you're with is not your husband either. He's not your husband either. He said, you, you have gotten to a place where desperation has caused you to settle. You've gotten to the place where you no longer feel your own worth or value anymore. So you're at the place now that you are just anybody who will give you attention, you will get with. So your worth is not only not in me, you don't have any worth in yourself. Desperation has caused you to make some bad choices. And she said, I, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> she goes on and says, I worship our father's worship. I told you, now I'm back. You know, I'm, I'm in the text. First, the father's worship here and there. He says, and, and, but, but and go, then Jesus says to her, and now we're here. We're ready. That was all my introduction. That was just introduction. I wouldn't even, I didn't even get started yet. He says, so desperation brought you here. He says, you worship what you don't, not, you don't know. She says, tell me more. Because desire or desperation will draw you, but desire will keep you. <laughs> she got desperate to the, get to the well. She, didn't, she was thirsty. But when he started talking to her, her desire for something else kept her there. I'm asking you, how much do you desire God? Vanessa Bell Armstrong used to say, she said, oh Lord, I love you. Show me the desires of my heart. She sang it for a while and then at the ending she said, you are the desire of my heart. When have you gone from show me the desire to Lord, you are the desire of my heart. When, when is the last time you went from, Lord, I desire for you to do that, and then saying, Lord, no, I desire you. If you don't change that, I desire you. Like real worship says, I'm not desiring things, I desire you. Desire kept her there because she says, now you're speaking my language. You're speaking to me in words I've never heard. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. And Jesus says to her, he says, he says the hour is coming and now is when those who worship, ascribe worth, worship him, must worship him in spirit. Someone say spirit. Now, Deaconess Lot, Alexis, I'm so glad to see you see rehearsal Thursday. What is spirit? What is spirit? Yeah, I said it. What is spirit? What is spirit? Because we say words in church and people don't even know it. Well, according to the time, spirit, according to the real meaning of spirit, means wind. It means breath. It means an invisible force of wind. Uh, if you want to use Hebrew, you can call Numa or uh, Ruach. Um, and, and we talk about the Ruach of God. Uh, what's the Ruach of God? It's the wind of God. It's when God took dirt and he sculpted a man and he took his mouth and put his mouth on top of dirt and breathed Ruach into it. And man became a living nephesh, which is the Hebrew word for soul. He became alive because God breathed in him. You don't live without God's breath. How are you handling God's breath? 
we are nothing without God breathing in us. Nothing. God breathed into dirt and dirt became a human because God breathed into it. Let me tell you something. You might not feel like you're anything, but if you have God's breath, you are everything. I am nothing without God's breath. I am a statue without God's breath. But because God saw something in me, he breathed into me and I became a living soul. Someone said, breathe God. When? So Isaiah, the 61st chapter and verse 3. Pastor Stacia, I might just keep reading. I don't know. I feel it today. Isaiah 61 verse 3 says, he says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Here's this part right here that I don't know if some of y'all even knows in the word. He says, I'll give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The spirit. You are dealing or rebuking the wrong thing. You call it anxiety. You call it depression. You call it my everything. It's the spirit behind what you're talking about. Don't get quiet in this Brene Brown church. It is a spirit behind what you have titled. He says the spirit of heaviness. Can you speak to the spirit behind the word? Anxiety is a real thing. Yes, depression is a real thing. But there's also a spirit behind it. Speak to the spirit of it. I believe in all the psychological things and the psycho I've read it all. I believe it. I'm not talking about, I'm not discrediting that. What I'm saying is if you have the spirit of God, speak to the spirit that is not the spirit of God. What is it? A few minutes ago, y'all were hollering at me. Then I start challenging your intellect and you get quiet. It's the spirit behind your intellect that you need to talk to. Don't be so intellectual and so damaged. Lord Jesus, take me back to First Baptist Church where I could just say, ain't he all right? Ain't he good? Jesus died and he got a, ah, Lord, please. There is a spirit that is trying to make you feel all over the place. It is a spirit that's trying, that you're wrestling with. It says he'll give you a garment. What is a garment of praise? I put this on today. Jason gave me this, this uh, particular sweater. Thank God for Jason. He said he couldn't wear it no more. I said, I've been doing some ab work. I think I can. So I put it on. Thank God for Jason. God bless you. He gave me this. I put it on because I liked it. I put it on because it was in my closet. I put it on because it was my clothes for today. Clothes and one time used to be called garments. I decided I cried my last tear yesterday so I put on garments today to fit where I was going I was going to the house of God so if I was going to the house of God David said I was glad when they said let me go to the house of God so that means I had to put on garments of praise for any spirit of heaviness that I might have dealt with this week my question is who gave you what you're wearing Someone, I heard someone say he chose violence today. 
a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness could you be one praise away from a wardrobe change could you be one praise away from your mind from going crazy to going delivered could you be one praise away and i want to ask you if god said to you if you praise me i'll change it what will y'all do right now if god said if you praise me i'll change it what will you do right now i want to know if god says i'm waiting on your praise and i'll change your heaviness If you're heavy, praise him. It didn't make any sense. We used to sing the song a long time ago in the Holiness Church, praise him and it'll make you feel better. I didn't understand what that meant. But a lot of times it says sometimes, that's why I sing that song all the time, Lord, I just want to thank you. Because I had to reposture myself to say, Lord, I know it's not working out the way I want to work out, but I want to thank you because you are still good to me. We had a situation that happened in our church just a few days ago, a different situation. I'm not going to go into the details, but something we've been believing God for, something we're going to happen. It's going to happen. Someone say it's going to happen. And we had some bad news, something that was supposed to go through, didn't go through, and, and it, it just stuff happened. And when I called our team, our executive team together, 30 minutes, Melinda, what's it, 30 minutes? 30 minutes. I called Mel, then I called the team. I said, I got 30 minutes. We have to have a conference call immediately. And I got on the call, and I told them, I said, hey, what we thought was going to happen did not happen. I said, but God's still good God's still able God still will make a way we will still get everything we need we will still be where we need to be and after I got through I said what do y'all feel about it and sister Tanya said well if the leader's full of faith I think we should be too and I'm asking y'all right now if your pastor is a praiser why can't you praise him if your pastor worships God, if your pastor says, thing hasn't always worked out the way I want it to work out, I get bad news too, but the Lord is still good. If I can still lift my hands, why can't you? It ain't an emotional thing. It's a focused thing. He'll sift my heaviness if I praise him. Look at somebody real say, say he's going to shift it. He'll, he'll shift it. If you praise him, he'll shift it. I've seen him do it every time. I've seen him do it every time. Every time I was heavy, I said, Lord, I don't know how, but I praise you. Lord, it doesn't make any sense, but I praise you. When my grandmama died, I praise him. When I got laid off my job, I praise him. When things hadn't worked out, I have always praised him, and he has always come through. He'll give me a garment of praise. For the spirit of heaviness. And I say that because Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is. When those who worship him must worship him. Can I break this down? Worship him in spirit. According to my breath. According to my order. That's why it's important that you check your spirit. That's why it's important you check your spirit. You want a Bible for it? I got a Bible. Psalms 51.10 says, David said, Lord, I know I did something I wasn't supposed to do. Lord, I know I was distracted by something I wasn't supposed to be distracted by. Lord, 
I know I was supposed to be out there fighting with my men, but I stayed on my, I stayed on my porch. Lord, I know, I, I know I looked at something that did not belong to me and I desired it because I wanted something from my own heart and my own passions. Lord, I know that I brought what I shouldn't have into my house. Lord, I know that I entertained what I wasn't supposed to entertain. Lord, I know that I did that. I still love you. I still worship you. I just made a mistake. So what I'm saying to you, Lord, based on what I knew I did wrong, what I am asking you, Lord, as I come to you, not before anybody else, I come to you the only way I know how, with myself. I'm coming to you on my behalf, not on her behalf, not on anybody else's behalf, because it takes two to tango. I'm talking to you about me. I'm talking to you about my desires and what I did wrong. And what I'm saying to you, according to Psalms 51 and 10, he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. And then he goes on. This is the part we talk about the heart. He says, but renew a right spirit in me. Don't let my heart be right, but my spirit be wrong. Don't let me have a good heart, but my spirit's wrong. He says, Lord, don't only create a clean heart in me, but make sure I got your spirit in me. Someone said, give me a right spirit. Give me a right spirit. Paul goes on. There's an argument in the church. I'm trying to teach this the best I can. Someone say teach. Trying to teach. So here it is. He says, Paul, was. Uh, there was an argument going on in the church. And they were saying, should people speak in tongues or should they not? Should people do this or should they not? The hand can't say to the foot this. And they, it was an argument in the church over spiritual gifts. And they were going through this argument about who was in the spirit and who was not. So Paul answers in 1 Corinthians 14 chapter and verse 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. What he was saying is, there is a language that I can tap into that I myself do not understand. He says, verse 15 says, what am I to do? He says, do I argue over should I pray in the spirit or should I not? He says, what am I to do? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with my mind. What he was saying is, I'll pray heavenly and I will also think naturally. It's not either or, it's both and. Some people get to the point where they say, I don't need the spirit. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. For what I'm dealing with, I need both. I need God's spirit and I need my, my mindset too. I want to be intellectual, but I also got to be divine too. I got to have something that is above me. There are some times that I have to get on my knees and say, mm, mm, mm. Mm. And every once in a while, that mm will go Well, I don't know what I'm misunderstanding. I don't know what I'm saying, but God understands it. So I'm not going to get in an argument over how to pray. I'm going to pray at all times, in all ways, in as many ways as I can. He'll pray with my mind. He's, I will sing praise with my spirit, and I will sing with my mind also. I'll be skillful and I'll be spiritual. Whew. Is this helping anybody? I will be skillful and I will be spiritual. I'll know how to do it, but I'll also know who called me to do it. I won't be more talented than I am anointed. My character will match my calling. I won't be gifted and have no character. 
I won't be able to sing runs around you and let the devil run around me. I won't have both. I, I will have the spirit and I will have my mind. I will be intellectual to work a nine to five, but I'll be spiritual to work a devil from five to twelve if I got to. I know how to do both. I know how to rebuke a devil and I know how to be a boss lady. I know how to be a boss man. I know how to be an entrepreneur and I know how to be a prophet. I know how to be a pastor and I know how to be out there working whatever I got to do. I know how to be a parent and I know how to pray. I know how to do both. I need both. Someone say, I need both. For what I'm fighting, I need both. I need a doctor degree and I need a devil chaser. I need both. I don't want to be in debt with Sally Mae and in debt spiritually too. Someone said I need both. All right, let me get out of here. We got to go home. So, desperation got her there. Desire kept her there. And then he said to her, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Desperation got her there. Desire kept her there. Direction positioned her. He says, you got to worship me in spirit and in truth. What is truth? Truth is established, sustained, that which is real and verifiable. Verified. I'm not talking about a blue check mark on Instagram. I'm talking about it's verified. I'm asking you, is God verified in your life? I mean, what has he done that's been sustainable? Hmm. Jesus. When you look back over your life, has he ever done anything that's been sustainable? So in 1 John 5, 7 through 80, it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. He was saying, you got to have my spirit. you got to be redeemed. you got to be cleansed. And the blood of Jesus Christ covers you. He says, these are the three. He said, I will make sure that my truth is in that. So here it is. And I'm ending here. He says, the woman said, the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. He says, you are looking for someone that's already here. He said, I who speak to you am he. I am truth that you're looking for. I am the answer you're looking for. I am he. I'm the one. The scripture says this and I'm through. The disciples came back on the scene. The licensed ministers, associate pastors came. Ones who had been with Jesus. They went to go Jesus, they went to go get Jesus food. Jesus came back, he said, they said, here we brought you food. Jesus said, I have food you don't know nothing about. They said, who gave him food? Who fed him? He says, my meat is to do the will of God. The woman who came desperate, the woman who stayed because she had a desire, the woman who got direction, scripture says she brought her water pot to be filled because she was thirsty. But a few verses down after she had an encounter with God, Mama Joanne, she dropped her water pot. And took off running into the city and said, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. That confused me. I said, Alexis, 
I thought she was thirsty. Why did she leave the cup or the pot that was supposed to be filled? Why did she drop her water pot? I said, Lord, it baffles me. The Holy Spirit said to me when I was looking at it, he said, when you've experienced real deliverance, you'll drop what you thought you needed. When you experience real deliverance, you'll drop your excuse. You'll drop your past. You'll drop your hurt. You'll drop your anger. You'll drop all that stuff. And say, I thought I needed that to be filled. But he filled me instead. What I thought I needed, he was it the whole time. I brought my jug, but he filled me instead of my jug. That thing is still empty, but I'm filled. She ran back into town, filled when she left town empty. And I'm going to drop it right here. There are some of y'all in this church right now and streaming who came from your house and came from your city and came from your town with a jug. I hope Pastor Mario feels it. I hope he says something that feels it. Because I'm so desperate. I'm so thirsty. And I got a word for you. It ain't your cup that needs to be filled. He wants to fill you. And you can go back home thirsty if you want. You can go back home in a drought if you want. But if you're desperate, you'll say, Lord, I'm not leaving until you fill me. I'm saying, feel me. I'm, I don't, I'm not, not my thing. Not, I, I, I'm, I'm saying, even if you don't change them, me, deliverance changes you. Deliverance sets you free. This woman dropped her water pot and went back into town because he had filled her. I want to ask you a question all over this room. How many of you, how many of you, just, just be real bold. How many of you can admit, I'm desperate and I need God to fill me? I'm desperate and I need God to fill me. Now, I know your hands got up. That's what got your hand up. Now, if your hands are up, now I need you to stand up and I need you to ascribe worth to God. Ascribe worth to God. I mean, before you ask him for anything, just open your mouth and ascribe worth to him. God, you're worthy. God, you're wonderful. God, you're magnificent. I mean, ascribe worth to him. Just, just talk to God. I, I got up because I'm desperate. I got up because I'm desperate. I got up because this thing is bigger than me. I got up because this thing is hard. I got up because this thing is wearing me out. But God, you are worthy. You are great. You are good. You are wonderful. Come on, just open your mouth. Not your pain. Just open your mouth. God, here I, I love you. I praise you. You're wonderful. You're great. You're God. You're holy. You're righteous. You're magnificent. Come on, you at home. Do the same thing. Ascribe worth to God. Holy is your name. Righteous is your name. Mighty are you as are you. Mighty are the works of your hand. I worship you. I praise you. Hallelujah to your name. Just for a few moments, just worship. Ascribe worth to him. You are the well. You are the living well. You are the bread. You are bread when I'm hungry. You are everything that I need. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. 
platform. I'm telling you, church, if you do it right, it'll take you to a place you've never been. You're wonderful. You're holy. 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 You're worthy. You're worthy. support that grant us the opportunity to do ministry. Now this connection doesn't have to end here. Visit our website, engage with our social platforms, comment, review, screenshot, and share your growth with others. And until next time, keep growing.